This is Michael Zuber, and I just wanted to thank you for listening to my One Rental at a Time podcast. Did you know that I took the time to document the entire process I used to learn my market and actually still use today? I released it as a $199 online course via Teachable, and it is called How to Get Started One Rental at a Time. With that, you get access to my private Facebook group and can join our group mentoring calls every Saturday at 9 a.m. Pacific. You can find it on my website at onerentalatatime.com. Now on with the show. Hey everyone, how you doing today? Topic number three with Mr. Greg Dickerson. We're going to flip the script. We're actually going to turn over the mic to Greg and he's going to ask me questions and I have no idea what is coming. These are always fun for me, Greg. How you doing? Doing great, Michael. How are you? I'm doing well. You know, I'm a little bit nervous. We're, we're going to see how this goes. Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. This should yeah. be fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, okay, so I get to ask you questions. So the number one question I get asked all the time by everybody is, hey, if you if you could do it all over again, mm. and you were starting from scratch, what would you do? Yeah, so if I was doing all this over again, first and foremost, one of the things that I get is I'd still go to college, uh, in my instance, right, my, my undergrad degree allowed me to enter the workforce in the Silicon Valley, where I don't think I could have with just a high school diploma. So the first thing I will acknowledge, in my personal stories, I still go to college. I don't think I get my master's degree, right? I think I did that for the wrong reasons. I did that because I saw it as a way up the corporate ladder, right? So all that helped me do was become a better employee. So number one, I acknowledge that in my story, I still go to college. I do not get my master's degree. That's point one. Point number two is I understand uh, the importance of dis uh, disposable income, right? I spend a lot of my life thinking about the top line and not enough of my life until I was 30 thinking about the bottom line. Because for me, uh, I wasn't, I'm not an entrepreneur. I'll just say it, right? I don't have Greg Dickerson's DNA, but I'm a decent investor. I know I could learn a market like I've proven. I know I can do these things and, and I'm willing to bust my ass during the day, have high stress, high commission jobs. So I would still do that. I'm, I'm just not an entrepreneur. Uh, I've thought about it. I'm just not in my story. But the big story is I would start investing in probably 1997, 98 versus 2000, um, 2001. So I'd start four or five years earlier, and that would have made a, a huge difference. I would not have increased my uh, nut, right? Your financial nut, right? If you've ever played cash flow game, I was spending like a doctor or a lawyer versus a policeman or a, you know a teacher. Uh, so I would have kept our family expenses lower, and I would have been financially free by 30 or 31, I've done the math, instead of 45. Um, so I would have done everything I've done minus the master's degree. Uh, and I would have started five or six years earlier. But for me, it still meant buy and hold, one rental at a time, bust my ass as an employee, high commission, high stress, live frugally, uh, and retire, uh, you know, 12 years earlier, probably. Okay. So now let's change this same theme, but different way. So let's, and this is another big one. So okay. if you lost everything today oh, yeah. and financially, yeah. but you still have all your experience, everything, but let's just say right now you've lost everything. What would you do? Yeah. So if I was you down, can't borrow, you can't borrow money. You can't go to the bed. You've lost it all. Your credit's gone. Your money's gone. Whole nine yards. What would you do? Yeah. So the first thing I would do is I have a unique skill set in the ability, and I've done it four, three or four times, taking a, a software product from zero to a hundred million dollars. 
So again, the, again, just my story, the, again, it's, I'm not an entrepreneur. I just don't have that in me. I would go get a job at a software company, probably pre-startup, and I would take their idea from zero to hero, right? I'd take it from zero dollars uh, to a hundred million. I, it would probably take two to four to five years, depending on the product in the economy. I would make multi six figures doing that. I would travel the world, bust my ass 12 to 14 hours a day, six days a week. So I would fix the income problem. I would be highly rewarded um, in that. And I would live on nothing. I'd live on ramen noodles, you know, all those things. Uh, so I could build my base. And then I would take that base and I would, uh, I'd go buy stress. I'd go buy whatever is most painful. Today in my market, it's probably strip malls and, and retail, uh, maybe small office. I would go buy whatever is on sale because my income would be at a level where I could carry it for a little while as the economy turns. And I would build a base. I would use high leverage, new, new debt, right? Probably in that 70%, maybe 65 LTV. Uh, I would then let that the tide rise over four or five years. I would do what I did in my book. I would 1031 exchange into the next thing. And, and I would rinse and repeat, except it wouldn't take me 16 years. It would probably take me seven or eight years. Uh, and again, I think about this so much because I wish I could tell you I was an entrepreneur. You know, you read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and you think about being rich dad. I freaking still think about being Robert Kiyosaki. I, I can't get my mind to shift like that. It, and I struggle with that, but you know, know thyself. That's okay. Neither, you know, that, that's not the wrong way to think. I mean, yeah. he did pretty well too. <laughs> yeah. But I, I think about it all the time. I, I think about that first time you dropped that on me like a year ago. I'm like, son of a bitch. I read the book wrong. <laughs> Just different, different set of goggles. You know, everybody, everybody has a different perspective and looks at things differently from where they come from and their, their background and experience. So, yeah. so that's a good one. So, um, you know, given this environment right now, mm -hmm. what is your um, favorite investment vehicle? Stocks, Bitcoin, real estate, <laughs> you know, NFTs, baseball cards, you know, storage units, buying and selling the contents, you know, multifamily, single family. So what is your favorite, my favorite asset? My favorite asset right now is actually uh, one bedroom, one bath houses right now. That's the, that is the favorite. Why is that? A, uh, no competition from, you know, the big guys, right? Everybody wants a three bedroom, two bath, you know, two car garage, you know, quarter acre lot. Uh, I'm okay buying a one bedroom, one bath house built 80 years ago on a big lot, because what I see coming after this uh, you know, uh, inflation in materials is in California, we can now build ADUs. So I love buying single, small houses, like micro, like 500 square foot small, 512 square feet is one I just bought on a big lot. Cause what I'll do is I'll stick another house on that in a year or two when inflation comes down or building materials come down and I'll just have the classic two houses on one lot. Um, why do also I like them? Cause consumers, right? What is happening today is consumers are, are bidding up prices and waiving contingencies and all of these things. But most people will never look at a one bedroom, one bath house. I love to fish where there is no competition, right? I love to be the only fisherman on a lake, even if the lake is small, right? In my market today, right? Houses under 700 square feet, there's probably, I don't know, 15 or 20 active listings. Nobody's looking, right? Now that I've said this, probably everybody's gonna look. But that's, that's where I'm at. I love to fish where nobody's at. Um, so today, my favorite okay. thing to buy is small houses. 
on okay, a big Okay, so I'm a wholesaler, and we're going to educate based on the other yeah. video. So here's how a wholesaler would handle this question. I just brought you a property. You've told me what you're what you're looking for. So you like one bedroom, one bath houses on big lots. Where? Where's your what's your favorite yeah. area? So I I I invest in two cities, so Fresno and Madera, California. Um, in Madera, all over both zip codes. Uh, I forget the zip codes off the top of my head. Nine three seven three eight and three seven. Uh, in Fresno, it is uh, pretty much every zip code. There's a little bit of stuff in seven oh six that's a little too uh, a little too um, gang related to me, although it's much better than it used to be. Um, you know, there are zip codes that are just too expensive, like 93704 uh, is Old Fig Garden. Even a small house there is going to go for too much money. Uh, but hey, gangs are people too, and they need to live somewhere. So <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I have a rule that uh, would I feel safe with my wife going there uh, to pick up the rent by herself? And if the answer is no, I won't buy there. Uh, during so the why those two? Why those two areas? Is that a price point thing? Is it a rent or demand thing? What is that? Uh, no, it's actually far uh, far um, easier than that. It's where I built my my team, right? I can okay. I can re I can invest remotely. I've done six or seven transactions in the last fourteen months and never gone to see anything. Uh, I've remodeled eight different properties, soup the nuts, and just used uh, uh, you know FaceTime or whatever. Uh, it's where I have infrastructure. I have team. I get asked so many times, why aren't you in more markets? The answer is I'm lazy, right? I, I've, I've, uh, I'm, I'm comfortable where I'm at and maybe that's a problem, but that's, that's, that's the truth. I have, I have the team I trust. Uh, I, have the, I have the team that will drop anything. If I say, hey, dude, I found a hot deal. Can you just go do a quick drive-by and make sure I'm not missing anything? Uh, that's why. Well, you know the market. I wouldn't call it comfortable. You know the market. And what's the number one way to be successful? Stick with what you know. Absolutely. The biggest mistake people make is they step outside of their, of their comfort zone. Mm -hmm. They step outside of what they know, what they're experts at, and what's more importantly, what's generating the most money. But anyways, back to the wholesaler question. So now I know what, now I know where. Mm -hmm. So what in this one bedroom, one bath on a big lot, mm -hmm. um, what is your price point that you're looking for and what kind of condition do you care if it's a rundown do you care if it's you know pristine fixer up or you know how does that work i will buy any condition um assuming it's livable right uh, you know if it's if it's fire damaged right if somebody brought me a fire damaged one where you essentially have to scrape the lot and start over that's that's too much for me in this market unless it's really cheap i'll buy it if it's really cheap i'll just wait uh but yeah it's got to be somewhat livable but realize that doesn't bother me, right? I've, I've, I bought a, I bought an example of this for forty grand, and I put eighty grand into it, right? So I changed everything. I didn't expand the footprint, but I changed everything: flooring, walls. I mean, insulation, renew. I mean, everything. So I'm willing to tackle the big projects, um, but you know, the base structure um, has to be sound. It can't be like leaning over and falling down from termites or something. Uh, but, but you know, I would take on most projects. Yeah. What kind of rents are you getting? You know, what kind of rents are you looking for in these oh, houses? Oh, that's a good question. So when I was started doing this, this has changed, right? A year and a half ago, rents on a one bedroom, one bath house would be somewhere between nine hundred and a thousand dollars. Today, we can get twelve hundred. Why? Because what I have a niche for in these houses are single, elderly, single folks. I don't know what else to say. They're in their sixties. Uh, their kids are long gone. Uh, but they want a space for their dogs. That's usually what happens, right? They, they're, you know, hey, I'm, I want a backyard for my dogs and the apartment's giving me a hard time. Uh, so yeah, we're getting 1200 bucks for, you know, these one bedroom, one bath houses. Yeah, sounds like you might want to look for some land in these areas or teardowns where you can do some cluster developments and do some of these single family for rent communities. 
I, uh, yes, you and I need to talk about that. That is something I should be doing that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Cool. So, you know, if you're a wholesaler or whatever, that's how you talk to an investor, ask them what they're looking for, where, why, what type, what are the rents, what are they doing to them? So when you buy these things and fix them up, what are you doing to them? What, you know, how far do you go in the level of finishes? How much are you willing to do these properties? Is there like a system of formula you use? Yeah, I use the same. I use the same product for everything so we can buy in bulk. It's kind of amazing. Same flooring, same paint, uh, same granite. It, you never know when you can just slap in a piece of granite. So what I'm trying to do in all of these now is uh, I'm trying to do all the capital upfront. Uh, I used to buy cheap and use Band-Aids. I no longer do that. Uh, so everything will get new flooring. Uh, I put LVT uh, throughout the house except kitchen and bath. They get tile. Uh, I do backsplashes. I do undermount sinks. Um, I change all the lights, uh, put in, you know, carbon monoxide is required here, uh, uh, fire alarms. Generally change out the windows, uh, check the roof, uh, change the mechanicals if they're going to go in the next couple of years. Um, new bathrooms, usually new tubs, new toilets, new vanities, everything, right? I will swallow the... Um, capital expense upfront so that I get five to eight years with nothing. So generally speaking, I will not do carpet in bedrooms anymore, unless it's a very high end area where that's kind of a nice thing. That would be the only place that gets carpet. Why? Because it gets dirty and you got to replace it with every tenant. Undermount sinks, uh, because again, it helps prevent leaks. Leaks. Uh, I do granite now. It's just, it's almost the same as for my gun. It lasts forever. Uh, LVT, it's cheap, looks great, looks like wood. Um, yeah, uh, that's it's kind of rinse and repeat. Literally, we buy pallets of stuff and we stick it somewhere and we just go grab it for different projects. Yeah, yeah. And see, that's cool. So from a wholesaler's perspective, if you're trying to learn the business, understand your investors, you have a reason for everything you do based on experience and usually painful experience. Yeah, oh, no doubt. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I mean, one of the things I did like seven years ago, now I know it's just stupid, but I was putting garbage disposals in. I have a garbage disposal where I live. It's really handy, <laughs> but damn it, dude. I put it in, I put it in a fourplex I did in all units. And I had like 15 calls in a week from people putting eggshells and, you know, just stuff you're not supposed to put in them. And I'm like, well, those are coming out. I mean, that was stupid. Oh. Potato peels. Never potato put peels? potato peels down the garbage disposal. Yeah, it was just, <laughs> I was like, well, we're not doing that again. I mean, I, I mean, literally 15 calls in a week. Every call, every service call was like 60 or 80 bucks. I'm like, I just lost one month's rent from stupid service calls. Uh, we are going to be yeah. removing those garbage disposals, please. Thank you. That's funny. So, you know, on that whole topper topic of your network is your net worth and who you hang around. So you know, if you want to learn the business, be an expert and get deals done, who do you want to hang around? Somebody like Michael or somebody who's sitting on the bar stool? Oh man, you can't find any deals. There's too much competition. You know, there's no deals out there, you know, all you can't get the money, all that kind of stuff, you know? So yeah. you've got a why, you've got a how, and you've got a where to everything you do all based on experience of walking into those units and digging into that garbage, suppose yourself, getting up underneath that sink, <laughs> yeah. turning that Allen wrench, yeah. you know? Yeah. Oh, Painful, painful mistake. It's like, damn it. Yeah. I, I tried to be nice. I tried to give an amenity that I would want. Wrong answer. Yeah, that was not a good answer. Yeah. Yeah. So, All this, right, is, so this is good. And yeah, that's good. One more, we'll leave it here. And I know we've covered this before, but you can never say it enough. If yeah. I'm starting out, I'm a new investor. What's the number one thing I need to do besides read your book? <laughs> For me, the so this is, this is the question I'm trying to get better and better at. I believe there's only one answer a new investor needs to answer for themselves before they get started. 
for me, yeah, you can say learn your market, all of this. But for me is you have to learn what an average deal is in your market of choice. I believe too many people get lost in what market, what area, what lane, all of these things. I believe we need to simplify it down to what is an average deal in my market. So today in my market, for example, it's 5%. If you watched my videos from a year ago, I was telling you it was 6%. The market has changed. More competition, higher prices. The average is 5%. In markets that some of my students are in, it's 8 In some markets, at 11 I don't I don't judge anyone. Pick the market you're in, know what average is. Because if you learn average and it takes time, you have to do the work. It's 60 days, it's 90 days. All you have to do is do a good or great deal in your market. So if my average is 5%, I'm gonna spend all my time looking for a seven or 8% deal in my market. And they're hard, they're supposed to be hard, but I only need to do one or two a year and my life is gonna be better. So for me, it is, Stop writing off. If you can't tell me what average is in your market, don't write an offer, right? You, if you write an offer before you know average, you are literally walking up to the roulette wheel, picking a number and seeing what happens. You might win, but you're probably going to lose. Um, so that's what I think it is. It, it all boils down to doing the work, intelligently telling someone around you that what an average deal is in your market of choice. That's, that's where I'm at right now is where they got to start. Yep. Awesome. And then the key is to just, once you know that, get started, start yes. with something, get one done action, you know, breeds more action, momentum breeds more momentum. And, uh, you know, you got to start somewhere. So start with something and then go from there. Oh man, this has been a lot of fun. We may have to do this once a month or something. I, uh, I love, yeah. uh, I love flipping the, flipping it around. So thank you very much for your time, Greg. It's always fun to start Monday with you. Yep. Same here. And then how can people find you? Oh yeah. gregdickerson.com. All my links to all my YouTube and, and podcasts and all that's on there. gregdickerson.com. Yeah. Do yourself a favor. Go check it out, folks. He's puts out so much stuff. And again, he just, he levels up from where I'm at and that's why he's part of the expert series. So thank you very much, Greg.